1: Live from the Mecca of Mormonism, Salt Lake City, Utah, this is Heart of the Matter, where Mormonism meets biblical Christianity face-to-face, and I'm your host, Sean McCraney. I cannot tell you how excited we are for the upcoming series on the Book of Mormon. Please tell your family and friends to tune in next week, May 3rd, 2011, and we're going to embark on what we hope is an exhaustive look at this controversial and what I believe is a fictitious Uh, book. So next week, part one of the Book of Mormon. All right, Heart of the Matter can be seen live from anywhere in the world through streaming video. Go to www.hotm.tv for more information, and uh, you can also check our archives out, see any show that we have done. Learn the Bible now, dang it, now. Join us every Sunday, Lord willing, from 2.30 to 3.30, a verse-by-verse, never-denominational Bible study at the University of Utah. We invite any and all to attend. Check out our new Calvary Campus website at www.calvarycampus.com uh, where you can get more information like direction, times, etc. While you're driving in for the Bible study, tune in for uh, to AM 820, The Truth, from 1 to 2 uh, p.m. on Sundays, where you can hear replays of this very program, AM 820, The Truth, a great Christian radio station here in Utah. I'll be speaking at the Refuge uh, Church in Ogden Saturday, May 7th at 7 p.m. May 7th, 7 p.m. Address is Christian Heritage High School, 5101 South, 1050 West, Riverdale, Utah. You can go to refugeutah.org for more information. And here's another website for your consideration in the Mecca of Mormonism, Shield of Faith, a website for police officers run by police officers here in Utah. You can check out Shield of Faith at www.sofut.net. That's Shield of Faith, S O F UT.net. And remember, if you're looking for somebody in your area to help mentor you out of Mormonism, to help you understand biblical Christianity better, uh, email us. And we every week we gather more and more names of people who want to be Aletheia representatives. Uh, we got them all over the place, actually. You can email us at sean at for more information. And we'll put you in contact with someone who lives in your area if somebody is there uh and so we want to thank all of you who write and email us from all over the world we want you to know that every single email is read and we try to respond as long as they merit response so we thank you for your support and prayer you guys it means more than you will ever know finally um if you live in the salt lake area i want to tell you about an honest i'm not kidding uh, and they're not paying for this and i'm not there's no trade for this, but an honest auto mechanic uh, shop. It's called Affordable Automotive, and they're at 4670 South, 900 East in Murray. Uh, Exceptional prices, exceptional service, honest uh, Christian uh, man and wife run that, and uh, fantastic, so I highly recommend Affordable Automotive in Murray. Okay, how about a moment from the word? I had a conversation last week with a young man. I used to, he's not young anymore, but I used to teach him in early morning seminary back in Southern California. He belonged to a core group of LDS young men who hung out with each other ever since they were little boys, deacons together on up through their teen years. He served a mission. He married in the temple. Then life sort of turned on him, and he's gone through a divorce. He told me about attending a couple of gatherings where all these LDS friends were at one of them, uh, he had a glass of wine and his LDS friends witnessed it. Now, the next time they all got together, some of those who observed him having a glass of wine refused to speak to him at all or have any uh, dialogue, any uh, eye contact, just shunned him. The story is both sad and comical. And we talked about how as a Mormon, you could rob a bank and if you say you believed in the Book of Mormon, you could rob a bank even worship the devil probably, but uh, if you drink a glass of wine, look out. Our perusal of the Gospel of Matthew, we come to chapter 15 and a singular statement from our Lord and King. In Matthew 15, 10 through 11, he says, hear and understand, not that which goes into the mouth defiles a man, but that which comes out of the mouth this defiles a man. In the example of my LDS friend who had a glass of wine, we are simultaneously met with another LDS man who treated him poorly for having had that glass of wine. In your opinion, where would Jesus assign condemnation? The man who had the glass of wine or the, or the other men who refused to make eye contact or be friendly to him thereafter? This is one of the inherent problems with laws and codes of health many religions invoke in the name of God. They make obedience to these codes mandatory and proof of holiness while ignoring the weightier matters of the law, which are love and kindness and patience and longsuffering and generosity and genuine care for each other. To drink or not, to smoke or not, are not the issues. All things are lawful, but not all things are expedient. The issues are matters of the heart. How does our individual hearts relate and respond to all people of all walks and of all lifestyle choices, even people who make mistakes? A real life story one of my daughters told me recently perfectly illustrates the the problem with the LDS stance on these things. Again, back in California, a a young LDS boy and his girlfriend were in the back of a car getting the windows very steamy when a cop comes up and orders them out of the car. One of the first questions he asked the kids was, have you been drinking? To which the boy indignantly replied while zipping up his pants, no, we're Mormon. Hear and understand, Jesus said. Not that which goes into the mouth defileth a man, but that which cometh out, this defiles a man. Our ability to stay public in the public eye is directly tied to your support of the ministry. We hope you will prayerfully consider the following. Show that spot to let you know that we can use your support, whether it be prayer or volunteering or financially. But to be honest, the emphasis is on the financial, to make people aware that we can use their financial support if they are so led. Now, since we began more than five years ago, my detestation for the financial side of ministry and my reticence to frankly address our financial needs took the ministry to the edge of destruction. And uh, that's why we introduced these spots a few years back. But understand supporting this or any other ministry or church, for that matter, is an issue of complete complete, and total free will. Um, The New Testament only states that a believer ought to be a cheerful giver uh, with a hilarious heart. That's how you give. If you cannot give with a cheerful heart, don't give ever to anything. It's not worth it. God, is, God knows your heart. So if you're giving out of this duty and obligation grudgingly or any of that, or to earn brownie points with God or any of that, don't do it, okay? Biblically, there are no percentage demands, just that God loves a cheerful giver. In a most recent LDS General Conference, Apostle Apostle Russell Nelson said the following, tithing is an ancient law from God. He made a promise to his children that he would, quote, open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it, end quote. He goes on, not only that, tithing will keep your name enrolled among the people of God and protect you in the day of vengeance and burning." End quote. Nelson quotes an Old Testament passage, Malachi 3.10, to support his promise of blessings poured out, not mentioning, uh, which are not mentioned under the covenant of grace. Uh, And tithing falls in the same uh, category as all other Old Testament practices, which Nelson doesn't point out. But the last quote where he mentions that paying tithing will protect a person from burning and the day of vengeance, where does he pull that from? From Joseph Smith himself, who says he received that word by revelation. In section 85 of the LDS scripture known as the Doctrine and Covenants, Joseph Smith wrote and chastised people who were not following the established order of giving their all their funds over and property and, and then receiving and... In return money according to the law of Mormon consecration so I want to take you and look at these five verses that Joseph Smith said God told him to say you ready let's go to verse 1 Joseph Smith wrote Doctrine and Covenants it says it is the duty of the Lord's clerk whom he has appointed to keep a history and a general church record of all things that transpire in Zion and of all those who consecrate properties and receive inheritances legally from the bishop. Okay, so that, what that says there is Joseph Smith says that God says there's a Lord's clerk, he keeps a history and a record of everybody who gives all their property and of people who are receiving a monthly stipend back. Having given their all, they also get a monthly stipend back. Let's go to the next verse. And also their manner of life, their faith, and works, and also of the apostates who apostatize after receiving their inheritances. So it's the clerk's duty to keep a record of the manner of life, their faith, their works, and of the apostates who apostatize after receiving back from the church. Next verse. Joseph Smith has God say it is contrary to the will and commandment of God that those who receive not their inheritance by consecration agreeable to this law which he has given that he may tithe his people to prepare them against the day of vengeance and burning should have their names enrolled with the people of God. So. What he says there, it's tough to understand that language if you're not used to reading it. But what he says that God, it's against his will and his commandments that those who have not participated in this consecration and inheritance, he says, and this is the important part, he says, which God has given the law of tithing to protect you against his day of vengeance at the second coming. And what the Mormons call it tongue in cheek with each other is fire insurance. And what, what, that, what that Apostle Nelson said in General Conference was, we pay tithing, it helps build faith, but it also protects you against God's vengeance when he returns and the fire that will pour down upon the earth. There was a cartoon that uh, Calvin Grondahl, I think, wrote years ago, and it shows a guy standing at the gates of heaven, and he's smoking, and he's all torched, and he's all mad, and he's facing an angel, and the angel's turning and looking to God, saying, he says he paid his tithing, but he got torched anyway. Okay, I'm telling you, this is pure coercion. Well, listen to what else he says. Let's wrap this up. Joseph Smith says in Revelation, neither is their genealogy to be kept or to be had where it may be found on any of the records or the history of the church. So back to me. So Joseph Smith says, listen, if you don't pay, your genealogy isn't gonna be kept and you are not gonna be found on any records of the history of the church. And then he concludes it with verse five. Listen to this. Their names shall not be found, neither the names of their fathers nor the names of the children written in the book of the law of God, says the Lord of hosts. Joseph Smith spoke for God in the Doctrine and Covenants and said, if you don't pay, if you don't pay, you will be burned the vengeance of God will fall upon you, your genealogy shall not be kept on the records of the church, and your names will not be found, neither your father's name nor your children's names, in the law of God. And the Christian Bible says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, man, this guy, he's worked you. With that, let's have a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we just come to you and love you and need you, and we pray that people who seek for truth no matter where it can be found, if they are seeking, Lord, that you will touch them tonight, that you will open up eyes and ears that are seeking to know your word, and you will bless our staff, our volunteers, whoever's working with us now and in the future. We uh, love you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, tonight is a a night of calls and emails. Uh, Been chomping at the bit with questions and problems and accusations. So tonight, you get your chance to call in. We're gonna open up the phone lines right now. 801-973-TV20, 801-973-8820. The operators have been instructed to carefully screen calls for people who are asking sincere, good questions or have really good accusations, it doesn't matter. Come with your heat, but just make sure that it's clear and concise. And in the meantime, we're going to spend the next few minutes reading uh, emails that we have collected over the past while. The first one comes from a man named Brandon, and he wrote, I have very serious matter to ask your opinion about. I have been dating a most wonderful LDS girl for a while now, and eventually I'd like to marry her. But there's the problem. I'm not LDS. I'm a Protestant. And I'm not sure whether or not it would be a bad idea to marry her because of this difference. Listen to what he says. We are both devout in our faiths, but we've never let that come between us. Things have been always spectacular when we're together. I know you're not a relationship helpline, but I would like to know uh, what to expect if we're getting married. I want you to know, Brandon, that first of all, you say you are a devout Protestant, and if you are, then your faith and trust in the Lord in, and in the Bible is paramount she is LDS and you've described her as devout. If so, the single most important thing in her life is to be married and sealed for time and all eternity in an LDS temple. If she is devout, I promise you, she has it on her sights and her family is whispering to her, you need to get him into the church. And she's saying, don't worry, mom, don't worry, dad. Uh, You have to trust me, I'm going to get it. It's gonna happen, you see, because this is her focus. And, and the Bible says you shouldn't be unequally yoked in marriage, so you really shouldn't be going and getting married to an LDS girl who has a completely different objective than you. And you and you say we've never we never let this come between us. I'm going to tell you something: when little Junior pops out, and 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 you start to deciding where you're going to go to church, it's going to come between you. When the in-laws at Thanksgiving who are LDS are looking at you and you're saying a Christian prayer, they're going to it's going to come between you. The friction is going to be enormous. In fact, in our ministry it 's one of the biggest email things we get are from people who are inner uh, religionally married, so don 't do it, get away from it. Um, now maybe God will use you to lead her to him, but don 't don 't do it through marriage don 't make that mistake For every success case of, of of a Christian man or a Christian woman who leads their LDS spouse to the Lord there 's got to be a hundred or a thousand that are failures, so don 't take that chance. Um, what you're stepping toward is a recipe for pain and disaster. So uh, it would be a big mistake. On ABC4 News, it just reported that 150 million Book of Mormons uh, had just, it just, been. they just reached their 150 millionth book. And uh, the book dealers say that's a staggering number. I guess it is, but you know, comparatively, um, the Bible, uh, up until 1992, they estimate, there has been uh, about six billion Bibles printed. When you compare 150 million to 6 billion, uh, somebody can do that if they want, and it's staggering. So uh, the Lord is going to continue to push His truth out there, whether people uh, agree with it or not. Darrow writes, just doing a little YouTube looking, stumbled onto some of your shows, looked your book up on Amazon, and read some of the reviews. Quite frankly, the angrier the review, the funnier I found them. It seems like you've stirred up a hornet's nest. What's it about? I watched the video with a woman who used to be a professor at BYU. I felt sorry for her when she described what she was going through after telling her friends she no longer wanted to be a Mormon. Why do you think her friends became so angry? Were your friends angry with you when you decided not to be a Mormon? Any ideas why Mormons get angry when you leave the church? If a a trusted Latter-day Saint leaves the church, it shakes everyone around them to the core. Not wanting to understand why, the reaction is usually immediate, it's visceral, it's highly condemnatory, and it's highly judgmental on that person who's left. So you're active, you're involved, and suddenly you decide that you're not going to leave. Everybody around you doesn't even think. Automatically, it's just like, oh, we don't like you. What is wrong with you? You see? In their minds, nothing could possibly be wrong with the church that they have lived their life for. So therefore, everything must be wrong with you. And it turns that that venom toward the person who is saying, wait a minute, something's not right here, something's wrong. So I so look forward to the day when anyone who leaves Mormonism will be hailed as intelligent and honest and true and a genuine believer in Jesus. But today, at least in this state, uh, they are called weak, they are called sinful, they are called proud, evil, and uh, hellbound. So that's answering that question. Jimmy wrote on the Bob Millet clip we showed last week, he is advocating obfuscation which is exactly what he does when he talks at Christian churches. The clip did help me, however, because every time I try to discuss the religion with a Mormon, I get obfuscation and continuous changing of the subject. And my questions get answered by another question or a twisting of the subject. And I think that's good because you could see it kind of from the top, from the BYU top. Listen, don't answer uh, the question they ask answer the question they should have asked. And that's why you get this spin. You've seen it on the show, people call in and they start going down these rabbit trails and when you answer the one, they go to another thing and they keep going and going and going until they find something that will will give them, feel like they belong to something that's true. And if you find somebody who's well read in Mormonism or knows the Bible well, that really frustrates them and so they have to keep jumping subjects until they catch you on something have a good friend, Earl, he said this last week. He and his wife were coming out of Mormonism. He said, for me, I could handle one ball, he calls them balls in the air. Okay, we got the Book of Mormon, we have the Doctrine and Covenants, we have the Pearl of Great Price. He can juggle three balls in the air. But then you start throwing in temple rites and you start throwing in tithing and, and, and Sabbath day relative to what the Bible says, and pretty soon you can't juggle. There's just too much to be able to juggle. And so it's funny. You'll have people uh, co- confront you about Mormonism and say, you know, Joseph Smith had to be right. Look at the word of wisdom. And they'll build all kinds of hope on this one thing, not looking at the, all the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of piles of information that prove the thing wrong. So uh, he's right. Obfuscation, that means clouding the issue, is kind of the Mormon game. And that's how it works. Okay, uh, let me go to another one. Hey, I just watched Heart of the Matter. Six, and got to think of a question. If you had a church, would you let homosexuals become members of it? Uh, That's from the Great Swede in Sweden. First, if I had a church, there would not be memberships, the Great Swede. Memberships in the true church of Jesus is determined by God and not by man. Second, I would invite all people to attend at all times unless they were physically dangerous or a threat to somebody else. Third, I would allow homosexuals to actually do things in the church, just like I would allow liars and gossips and girls who sleep with their boyfriends and, uh, and uh, whatever. The church is for the sick. It is not for the whole yes there is discretion to be used yes there are times when someone shouldn't be put in a certain place because of propensities towards certain sins that's all normal and finally i would always stand on the biblical teaching that homosexuality is a sin so i would do all of those things if uh, we were to ever start a non-membership church timmy writes i have learned nothing from your program to me you are Uh, He doesn't make sense there. I feel sickened when I see your show. You should be ashamed to call yourself a Christian, and I'm not a Mormon, he writes. Timmy, 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 Timmy. (laughs) To write to a show and say dogmatically that you have learned nothing is about as asinine of a statement a person could ever make. All it does is reveal the steel trap that your mind is in and squirms around in trying to get out to conjure up a a logical thought. We learn something with every interaction we have with somebody. We learn something. We learn what we don't want to do. We learn what we'd like to be like. We learn new information. We learn something about our own thoughts. We learn. To write, I learn nothing from your program, 250 programs, you learn nothing, is so insidious. Come on, Timmy. Don't be such a coward. It's okay. It's going to be fine. Information good, Timmy. (laughs) Dumb, dumb, not good, Timmy. Gosh. I learn nothing. Oh, my goodness. You learned something. Okay. Uh, (laughs) From uh, Greg, I thought I'd uh, add a place for those needing a support group. I'm attending Wasatch Church in Roy with Pastor Ross Anderson. Ross has a support group for those coming out of Mormonism on Tuesdays from 630 to 745. It's very helpful. Uh, speaking of this, we've been thinking about doing the same out here in Salt Lake City and getting a, a, a support group for people coming out as well as the uh, Alathea representatives in your area. So stay tuned for that. And uh, here, this is from an email from a woman named Andrea. First, she wrote me. A big, long thing about Joseph Smith. And then uh, I said, look, man, I'm not going to go into all this with you. You are adamantly defending him. Uh, And Andrea out there in the UK uh, wrote, okay, Sean, if you don't want to discuss anymore, that's your choice. But I thought that's what you were all about. Again, a clarification. This show is not an equal time show. This is not for Mormons to get up and spin their gobbledygook. I am not here to let them share their testimonies of false and fictitious things. I am not writing emails to dialogue with Mormons. Dialogue with Mormons is a waste of time because their sole ambition is to convert you. It is not to learn. They've shut the door on learning. They have the truth, they know the truth. So any interaction you have with them in terms of dialoguing If they are defending the church, it's just a waste. We are here to present the biblical truth relative to what Mormonism teaches. We're not here to give equal time, and I'm not here to answer uh, emails about equal time either. Okay, with that, uh, I'm going to jump to one final, and we're going to take your calls. Uh, I'm going to end with this correspondence. This comes from Michael. He says, I came across your program on YouTube while you were doing some research, while I was doing some research on the Mormon religion. Uh, No, I'm not looking to join them, nor any other Christian faith. I'm a very happy pagan, a Celt to be exact. Not a typical hug a tree, stir the cauldron witchy type of pagan. I derive my faith culture practice from the true ancient practices you would find in most European villages 2,000 years ago. And he describes himself and he says he got interested because he has a son with another woman and that son is being exposed to Mormonism and he just wanted to find out what it was about. So uh, that was his first email. He says, while I know what your primary mission is to bring people to Jesus, uh, I thank you for waking me up to the truth of Mormonism. I wrote him back and I gave him a challenge. I said, listen, Michael, why don't you just give Jesus a chance? I said, just don't believe me. Don't believe, just go. You're a pagan. Fine. You're a pagan. And uh, just give him a chance. So then the second email, about 10 days later, I watched your show to understand my mother's son's religion. Uh, Something's calling to me inside and I'm terrified. Uh, I am so scared, Sean. I don't know what to do. I'll keep watching and take one day at a time. Just wanted you to know that your words and passions have so far affected my life. I don't know if I'll ever be ready to leave the pagan rituals and faith to become a Christian, but something is happening in my heart, and it burns as I resist it. Then on April 2nd, he wrote, I've made it through 2006, 7, 8, and 9. I'm now on 2010 of the shows and 2011, still scared and afraid. It's like standing still in the woods and looking down a path. I think something's calling me to travel. I don't know what's down there and I still face it with fear. This morning, Michael wrote from Hershey, Pennsylvania. Well, you asked me to keep watching and I have. I've watched all of your past episodes. When you would cite a passage from the Bible, I would write it down and later read it to myself. Often I would find myself reading more and more. I have a long way to go as far as understanding many aspects of Christianity. Still you asked me just to be willing to ask Jesus into my heart. Even if I didn't understand, even if I was afraid, just to say, Jesus, please take up residency in my heart. So I did. Nothing. I did not receive some awakening. I didn't understand all that confused me. I didn't feel the passion that you speak with. I figured, well, I guess it's a load of crap like everything else. But I kept reading and listening to the shows. Last night, as I was watching The O'Reilly Factor on Fox News, Bill announced that after the commercials, he was going to be talking with a Christian about recent news articles stating that hell does not exist. Of course, after listening to you for so long, and my sixth sense of humor, I thought to myself, oh great, Bill's going to have his buddy Glenn Beck out on, and talk on this. <laughs> I watched, I watched with interest as a pastor preacher begin to speak about hell not being real and that a loving God would not create such a place to send his children. My ears perked up and I started to think, wait, how many things in that statement are biblically wrong? It was the first time I have done that. I thought to myself, wait, dude, that's not what I read. You have to read, you're messing it up. Then Bill O'Reilly got sort of red faced and I thought, okay, here we go. Bill is gonna straighten this guy out, but that's not what happened. Bill went into a tirade about the Judeo-Christian principles that America believes in, that there is a hell and bad people go to hell. I just shook my head. The preacher argued that this American Judeo-Christian idea is contrary to God's God's will. It would send all good Jews and even Gandhi to hell. Bill chimed in and I thought he was going to say something similar to what you have said on the show uh, in the past. But no, Bill started stating that people get to heaven through their good works and obeying the law and the commandments. That this is how they will be judged when they get to heaven. He said, quote, "Look, good people go to heaven and bad people go to hell. Your actions have to have consequences. I don't want to get to heaven, Bill O'Reilly said, and see Hitler there. I just lost it." he says. "If you do wrong, you will go to hell, and if you're good, and if you're good, you will go to heaven. It's that simple." I yelled at the TV, not works, grace. It's by grace. All you have to do is love him and believe. Can't you see that? Can't you? And I stopped yelling. It happened, Sean. Parentheses, sorry, I'm a little teary-eyed right now. I understood and I felt it. Jesus is real, Sean. It's all real and he is real inside me. I want to praise him. I want to thank him. I just want to fall down if that makes sense. It does, Michael. I thought all you you have done and said, thank you for challenging me and opening my heart up as when you feel it. But when he does open your heart, it's the fullest. It is so strong and warm and loving. And I feel like now I can rest. Praise Jesus. He ends it. He experienced it. Have you experienced what Mike experienced in Hershey, Pennsylvania? Have you experienced it? If not, you go just like Mike did and you say, I don't know who you are, I don't know what I believe, but just open my eyes and ears and heart to your truth. Michael, a pagan, a lifelong pagan, raised a pagan, believed in the spirit nature in, uh, in paganism, everything. Did not want to become a Christian. He went and did it. And when you read that, the Christians sitting in this audience, they know it's legitimate because that's what happens. You see the truth for what it is. So I praise God with the audience about that event. Okay, we have Eric in Chula Vista. Eric in Chula Vista on line one. Eric, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hey, how are you doing? Doing well. How are you doing? You got me right on this. I apologize.
2: Hey, I have a quick question for you. Yes. Yeah, isn't it really ethical to, um, to actually uh, debate with uh, the Mormons about who's right and who's wrong? I'm getting all the flack.
1: You're getting all what?
2: A lot of flack, a lot of uh, resistance from people saying it's immoral and unethical to actually debate with Mormons about who's right and who's wrong. And this is coming from Christians, not Mormons, so what should I do?
1: Well, I would tell them to read their Bible. I mean, we have to look at the Bereans. They searched the Bible to see if Paul was right. Uh, We read that we are to contend earnestly for the faith. We look at Jesus and John the Baptist in his interaction with the religious leaders of his day. Did they just say it's wrong to debate with them, to talk to them, to share truth with them? No. I mean, they even used pejorative terms toward those religious people, called them vipers, called them sons of Satan. I mean, you, see, we live in an age right now, Eric, of political correctness, and even Christians are falling into this. Listen, we don't want to do that. We just want to be nice, and we just want to make everybody happy, happy. And it doesn't lead people to Christ. Truth does, and the truth hurts. And so people are reticent to hurt other people because we live in this age when you're not supposed to offend anybody or hurt them. And so Eric, I, I would challenge to do Share Truth in Love, and yes, love is, you know, people look at me and they say, you're not loving. I am more direct, I know. Sometimes I, I borderline on brutality. I get it. But in my heart of hearts, one-on-one with Mormons, it's truth and love. One-on-one with LDS people, truth and love, Eric. And that's biblical.
2: Because the thing is, I was wondering is that is that, you know, a lot of people say Jesus is love, Jesus is love, 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 love. That is true. But didn't Jesus, I mean, isn't he the one that says, you know the the road is straight and narrow. Many go down it. I mean, or, or few will find it, but many go to death. And, and he basically argues, from my understanding, uh, proving he is who he is, and that is necessary to convince others. You know, in a respectful and reasonable way. But nonetheless, he wants us to prove with scripture and with facts that he is the only way. And I, I get fucked so many times by people uh, saying, "Well, what you're doing is wrong and unethical," and you should just pay ethical, it the pay, 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 ethical.
1: Pay. I don't understand the ethical, Eric, but no, long story short, share the truth in love and uh, you're going to be fine. Thanks for the call, my friend. We're going to Steve in West Valley. He's LDS. Steve, you're on Heart of the Matter.
3: Hi, how are you doing, John?
1: Good, Steve, how are you?
3: Good, first time caller.
1: Welcome to the show. You better turn your TV down or we're going to have a...
3: No, I'm going to step outside and not watch it. Okay. Right now you're delaying You're with Eric, but now I'm going to outside so i don't have that delay
1: okay my friend what's up
3: well you know years and years first time caller watch born and raised lds my whole life 46 years old okay i'm inactive yeah i send my kids to church sometimes i make it when it's easter and all that good stuff i i go my parents i'm the only kid out of four didn't go on a mission. Okay. And sometimes I, I love watching your show because it, it it gives me a different avenue. Gives me an outlook. That's what you're supposed to do is search in Christ. Yeah. And find. And and, and always look. And a lot of times I look at it and I'm thinking, why? Why is Sean so, all the shows on Sean's show, so anti-LDS? Why?
1: Do you want me to answer that?
3: Yeah, I do. I need the answer.
1: All right, Eric. Oh, you're not Eric, you're Steve.
3: Steve, Eric was before.
1: Yeah, Steve, I was 40 years active LDS. Uh, I I served faithfully, I went on the mission. I, I went to the temple and I did all the things you were supposed to do. I tried. And in my heart, I did not know God. All I knew was I had to constantly please Him and the people around me in order to be worthy and right.
3: But and, why in my heart do I, I believe that that's my spirituality that makes me whole? And in my non, I'm a non-active member.
1: Well, what you're believing in your heart uh, has elements of truth. But your church that you, that you wonder why I go after it, it does not believe what you're saying is in your heart, uh, Steve, your church says, listen, you have to earn that salvation. You gotta get, in. listen, let me just role play and I'll be your bishop, okay, Steve? All right. Steve, you know, what are you doing? You want to lose your wife and kids? No, want, I, I. but
3: that's not the way, they don't, they don't
1: play they, me that way. Okay, they don't hit you that way. But they've hit me and my wife that way, and they've hit others that we get the emails from. Okay, let me take another it, Steve, when are you going to go to the temple? Hey, can we help you get to the temple? When I'm damn well and ready. Okay, well, guess what, Steve? I mean, we have all the t- prophets who have spoken. You need to get your new and everlasting covenant, and the only way you're going to get that, my friend, is by obeying the commandments, paying your tithing. Can, can you and catch it? Mean, and
3: that's probably the reason I'm inactive.
1: Okay, so, and that is the reason... Probably, w-
3: that's probably the reason I'm inactive, okay. is because I, because, you know, I'm un- unlearned, okay? Okay. Born and raised in it. Yeah. Had to go there every, every day, yep. every Sunday, because yep. that's the way I was raised from when I was born. Right. And, and that's just the way it was.
1: Okay, but Steve, you were raised in religion. Religion does not save a person. Jesus in his Bible.
3: But does that mean I'm wrong? Yes. Default Because I, I, I still have spirituality.
1: Okay, I don't... Spirituality is a very open, vacuous term. I don't know what spirituality means. I,
3: I'm not going to go out and harm nobody. I still believe in Christ.
1: Okay, but even the devils believe, Steve.
3: So help me out.
1: Okay, I'm trying.
3: Because I've been looking.
1: Okay, I, I want to I help you out. Religion and obedience to laws has never been able to save anybody. It's a relationship that you trust and give your faith in Jesus and he came and saved you by his works. And I give it
3: every, every day.
1: Okay, okay then listen, Back to him. Okay, by his works. You ask I, me, you ask me, day. Steve, every day you say that. You ask me why I attack the LDS church. Because they teach something different than what you pray every day. They teach something different of what I just explained to you. But that's all I know. But wait a second. You're talking out of two sides here. You're saying that every day you pray that Jesus will accept you and receive you and love you and by faith. And at the same time, you're saying all you know is Mormonism. You don't. That's not Mormonism. I don't know set, that.
3: All I know is, I, I, like a lot of them, I don't, okay, I believe that Joseph, Joseph Smith, and what they've
0: gone
1: through.
3: Okay, gone through. Exodus, and 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 that's unreal.
1: Wait a minute, what, Stephen? You are a cultural Mormon. You, like you said, you went, you were taught, and your mind has been filled. It's just like if you were raised in communism, your mind has been filled with communist thoughts, and you come to America and you look at all the all the Americans and their capitalists as pigs and as, as vultures. Your mind is, is totally inculcated by Mormonism, Steve. You, what you need to do, and just let me offer this as a suggestion, okay? okay. You say you're searching. I'm open-minded, Okay, I'm, I am. This is it, Steve. You go to God directly tonight, or we can even do it on the air. You say you're open, and you say, I don't know the truth. I was raised in a religion. I need truth, open my eyes, open my ears, give me a new heart, I'm trusting that you'll do that because I've asked.
3: Open my heart to the truth. What's that? Open my heart to the truth. Yes. Because that's what I need.
1: Open your heart, your eyes, your ears, so that you can hear the truth and know it when it comes versus the lies that you have been taught. So that's what you need, do you wanna pray to him now? Yeah. Let's do a test, Okay. okay? We'll do a test. You do this with me, open heart. You, you pray, and we'll see what it does. Call us back as, as your life continues, okay? Oh, yeah, you got it. Okay, Steve, so you want me to pray with you? You wanted to say it yourself.
3: No, let's do it with me.
1: Okay. Uh, Heavenly Father.
3: Heavenly Father.
1: I come to you, and I need you.
3: I come to you, and I need you.
1: I need Jesus in my life.
3: I need Jesus in my life.
1: I need to be forgiven of all my sins.
3: I need to be forgiven of all my sins.
1: Past, present, and future.
3: Past, present, and future.
1: I need your strength, not mine.
3: I need your strength, Christ, not mine.
1: I need your life to give me new, a new heart.
3: I need your life to give me a new heart.
1: So I pray, God.
3: So I pray, God.
1: That you will open my eyes
3: you open my eyes and
1: ears and heart
3: and ears and heart
1: to know your truth
3: to know your truth I'll
1: wait for you God
3: i wait for you God
1: to see to discern this new heart within me
3: and see this discern heart within me
1: I give you my faith and love
3: I give you my faith and love
1: and trust in you and you alone
3: and you and you alone
1: in Jesus name
3: in Jesus name amen amen
1: okay Steve I want, I want to share something with you. Okay. You have just done what Romans chapter 10 says. It says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you will be saved. Now you need to walk in your life in faith. You have done what God, you have confessed with your mouth. You believe now, walk in faith, Steve, believe his promise there that what he has said, open up a Bible Even and what I
3: said, Believe in what we
1: prayed. Believe in what you prayed, yes. And that's walking by faith. And God will then begin to open your eyes and give you manifestations that it is true. Now listen, we want to send you a Bible that's not LDS. It's the same King James, but it isn't tainted by their views. Stay on the phone. There's a number of people around the world who are going to be praying for you. And you relax in the Lord. You relax and trust in Him, all right? Yep. Will you keep us informed on how it goes? Yeah. OK, open up that Bible to John and start reading and see what the Lord does in your, in your life.
3: And I'll keep, I'll keep in touch with you back, because this is my first time, but I'll let you know how it goes.
1: We look so forward to it, my brother, and I know this doesn't matter to you at all, but I am personally oh, proud it of matters you. matters to me. No, I'm personally proud of you. That's not what matters. My opinion's nothing, but I'm proud of a man who searches for truth and is willing to do whatever it takes to find it. The Lord is going to reward you. You're going to see with new eyes, my brother. Thank you. God bless you. Hold on. Now we want to get your address to send you that Bible. Thanks, John. Okay. Thank you. Hold. Line two is waiting. Line three, uh, before we go to it, why are there no Christian churches in Clinton, Utah? Lakeside Community in Sunset, 305 West, 1300 North. That's what I'm being told. That's in Sunset. I don't know how close that is to Clinton, but it must be fairly close. We're going to Eric and Draper. Eric, you're on part of the matter. forgot where I was for a minute. (laughs)
0: How are you doing, Sean? I'm doing well. How are you? Hey, I'm, I'm fine. I've, I've uh, chatted with you a couple times. It's been a long time, though. So um, how's life? Uh, life is good. Life is good. Um, we've we've yeah, had some challenges. I, I came out of Mormonism about two years ago. Uh, names are, my name's still on it. I've got kids that um, I, my wife and I, unfortunately, we, we finalized a divorce last October. Um, tried to make that work out, but it, it didn't work out that way. But but it's amicable, and I get to take my girls to my my Christian uh, my Christian church and and help them get a, a bigger view of God uh, every other week. So I'm that that's that's a good thing.
1: Well, uh, how's your walk, Eric?
0: Um, well, it's imperfectly perfect. <laughs>
1: that's a good def. That's a good explanation. Good description. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's it, it's great. Um. I, uh, I love God, Sean, and I, I couldn't say that, uh, you know, two, two and a half years ago.
1: Well, that is awesome, my brother. Is there any word of wisdom you can give for somebody who is LDS and saying, I need, I need more, I need the Lord?
0: You know, um, I can remember sitting in sacrament meeting, and it was a day I was pretty down, and just like, man, I, I kept asking myself the question, when am I going to do what I do because I love God? And I was real with myself that I don't.
3: Hmm. Good.
0: I I don't know how to. And I remember there was the choir director, Sister Wright. I remember looking over at her and going, man, when am I going to love God like her? Hmm. And the Lord was slowly changing my heart um, in Mormonism to see things I hadn't seen. And, you know, it was through... Something slapping me in the face that got me to take a second look at uh, important issues. But wow. I, I, I think um, I, I can tell you I, I completely agree with you, and I, I would ask Mormons, you know, when was the last time you couldn't wait to go to church? Mm. And that you wanted to be there to praise and worship God and just be grateful for the, the perfection that he's willing to give you through his son every day, not every time you take the sacrament or not 10 years in the future when you've been more consistent. He, he's willing to say, I'll perfect you and give you peace right now, even though you're a mess, and I'll, and I'll walk with you every step of the way until you come home.
1: Amen. Really good, Eric. God bless you, and uh, stay in touch, my friend.
0: Hey, thanks. I appreciate it. I, I did have one comment if I... If i could share it um, yeah. or, or i guess a question yeah um one one thing i do believe that mormons have been deceived and set up from the beginning unknowingly in the whole moroni 10 3 which i'm sure you've talked about but i have just a comparison i want to make and see if you like it and if it might be helpful okay um when mormons are told or when the missionaries are out there today right now there are missionaries that are going to new investigators saying hey read the don't worry about all this other stuff read the book of mormon pray about it and when you feel good about the book of mormon you'll you'll know that everything is true and they throw a, a blanket on everything right Joseph smith all of it it's all true if you get a witness of the book of mormon and that is the setup their premise is faulty and mormons that cling to this witness they got 20 years ago they think that if they go, that's what they hang their hat on. It's like, well, I got my witness. I can't deny that that was God. Well, I have just a thought. Um, if you put a Mormon in one room and put an FLDS, a fundamentalist Mormon, in another room, and they both go read the Book of Mormon, and, and you say, okay, come back out and tell us if you felt warm and good and, and at peace. They both come out, and they both read some inspiring words and some truth. And so, of course, they come out and say, you know what? I feel lifted up. I, you know, I, I, I've con- it's, it's confirmed to me again that the Book of Mormon is true, where Mormon says, and what that means is that Joseph Smith was a prophet, the restoration of the priesthood, everything, and Thomas Monson is a prophet today. Right. Then you have the FLDS guy come out and he goes, oh my gosh, I felt great too. That means that Joseph Smith was a prophet and everyone was right up until that scoundrel Wilford W. Woodruff, who took away polygamy, and, and it confirms that Warren Jeff is a prophet today as well. It's like, well, who is God lying to? Right. Um,
1: it's a great, it's a great uh, explanation, Eric. And I hope people who are LDS and are thinking about that will take it to heart.
0: I hope so too, Sean. Thanks for your show and your work. Thanks,
1: man. I'll talk to you soon. All right, take care. Bye-bye. You know, I say something, what Eric said, uh, how he said, I wonder when it will be when I w- want to go to church. We do a non-denominational, non-role, whatever Bible study. And, you know, we get uh, 50 to 80, 90 people come Sundays. Nice weather Sundays. I mean, talking, there's a lot of things you can be doing. Super Bowl Sundays. You know, these people are just showing up. And it is grace that teaches us to say no to sin. It is grace that teaches us to want to devour the Word of God. It is His grace and His his, his love for us in spite of us always forever that makes us want to have more of him in our life. It is not grace and works. It is not works. It is not rules or law. It is his grace given by his shed blood. So let's try to remember that. Uh, a quick email here as the operators are going through your calls. Uh, my question is about salvation, writes uh, Daniel. Uh, is it because of our free will or predestination as Calvin called it, um, and then how do you exp- uh, explain verses that say one or the other? I want to give you my opinion right now, and it is we are all predestined to freely choose, okay? You're predestined to freely choose. Now, in the sense that God gave us all life and he knew what our free choices would be, that you could say we are fully predestined. He created us knowing what our choices would be, and in that sense, that's where predestination makes sense in the Roman sense and in the Ephesians 1 sense. That's fine, but we we don't know what our choices are going to be. God's knowing what our choices are gonna be are irrelevant. He didn't predestine us to hell, he gave us life, but he knew what our choices would be. He didn't force us to make them, he knew what they would be. I hope that helps to some extent, it's a heavy topic, We'll go on, Ryan says, um, I shared uh, Matthew 22 which talks about no marriage uh, given in the resurrection with some missionaries and they said what Jesus meant was they who he was talking to didn't know the true gospel of Jesus Christ so they wouldn't be married for time and all eternity but Mormons know the truth so they will be married forever. Okay, I wanna tell you something LDS missionaries are like used car salesmen. Bottom line, I'm not b- being disparaging. I was one of them, so I know what I was doing. Uh, they elaborate on the good points of the Mormon church and the, and, the, and the car. They never mention the bad points, the history, or the freakish stuff. And they make up a whole bunch of nonsensical shiitake mushroom soup on everything else. Okay, They will say anything. To get you to, well, I guess that makes sense, you know, and just come along and then take the lessons and get baptized because it's a notch and they report it every week to their mission president how many baptisms they've had. So it's not about truth with uh, Mormonism. It's about experience and feelings uh, associated with those experiences. So that's what you're getting when you talk to the uh, Mormons. Um, Finally, Zane, uh, do we have another call? Oh, I hate to do that. Um, I'm going to have to take John the next time. I'm sorry. But uh, we have Zane here, and he writes, I asked two Mormons who came to the door a what-if question. I said, what if for some reason you discovered something wrong with your church and you decided to leave it, that it wasn't true? Would you still feel saved through Jesus Christ? They said no. And uh, I went on and, and read John 3:16. Sean, he writes, "This is so sad to see these people believe in a church more than Jesus." And you know, that's the problem. Here's the problem with Mormonism. It has usurped the, the position of Jesus. With Christians, it's the Christian, Jesus. That's it, right there. Faith on him. He's in them. they're in him, and that's it. just like that. With Mormons, it's the Mormon. It's the LDS Church has superimposed itself in between, and then it's the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and trying to get to the Father with Jesus making it possible. And the church has replaced Jesus in the LDS church. That's why so many LDS don't know what it means to to be born again. So many LDS don't know that their total uh, eternal life depends on Jesus' blood and his blood faith alone. That is why all of those things exist because they have put an institution in between man and God and said, you must follow the institution. You must obey its rules. You must pay its tithes. You must enter its temples to receive its ordinances. You must be baptized by its priesthood leaders. You must accept its books. Not only the uh, the Bo- Book of Mormon, but the Doctrine and Covenants full of crazy revelations. The Pearl of Great P- Cri- Price full of crazy revelations. You must accept the living prophet who says you gotta have one piercing and no more. You gotta do all these things. This is what Mormonism has done. They've superimposed themselves in between man and God. And it is a a lie, it is a lie, and it puts people in bondage. We had a caller just ask Sean, "Why do you pick on the Mormon Church so much?" I was in bondage. My brother, who I love, my sisters, who I love, my parents, my mom especially, who I love, in bondage to believing that that institution is going to get them to uh, uh, God. When Jesus said, "I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me." Me, he said. Me. Not a religious institution. Next week, the Book of Mormon we begin. We'll see you next week here on Heart of the Matter.
0: I'm gonna break I'm gonna break my I'm gonna break my rusty cage and run I'm gonna break